Chapter Eighteen of In Brief Authority by F. Anstey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Anna Simon. Chapter Eighteen: A Previous Engagement. Well, my dear court godmother began the queen as she sank on an ivory and cloth of gold settee in her private cabinet and cooled her somewhat heated face with a jewelled ostrich-feathered fan. I had better tell you frankly that I think both you and that designing little adventuress have behaved in a very underhand way in this business, a way that I naturally resent. Merleflor, as you very well know, came here on darling Edna's account, and you deliberately threw that Miss Heritage in his way. I haven't the least doubt you told her who he really was. That, said the fairy, is just what I did not do. It was part of the test I put to her. She still has no idea that he is more than a student. Well, you egged her on to set her cap at him, and if he cares for her at all, it can be no more than a passing fancy. I cannot be a party to letting the poor, dear young fellow be entrapped into a messiance to please you, and I shall see that she is sent back to England at once, as but for you she would have been long before this. I don't want to lose my temper with you if I can help it, said the fairy, with an ominous flush on her peaked old nose because I've been through a good deal as it is this morning, and I'm feeling very far from well in consequence, but you had better understand that Lady Daphne is not going to be sent back to England. She is going with Merleflor and me to Claire de Lune, and we shall start immediately. You are at liberty to go where you please, but Miss Heritage will certainly not leave the palace, except to return to her own country." and I tell you I intend to take her to Clairelune with me, and you are powerless to prevent it. Indeed, said the Queen, in high wrath, answer me this, am I Queen of Merhenland, or am I not? You are not, retorted the fairy, before she could prevent herself, for the opening was really too tempting. She had not meant to go so far, but, having started, she proceeded to enlighten the Queen as to her title, and the very slender evidence on which it was based. "'I don't believe a single word of it,' declared Queen Selina, as defiantly as if this were the fact. "'It's a wicked plot to set up my own governess as a pretender, but there's a very short way of settling that. I shall send for the Marshal.' And she made a movement towards a handbell of exquisitely engraved crystal, with a sapphire tongue. I shall tell him what you have dared to say, and have you and that wretched girl arrested as traitors. The fairy shook with mingled fury and fear, for she saw too late that she had made a wrong move. Before you do that, listen to me, she said. All I have said is true, and you know it is true, but it was you who forced me to say it, and I am willing to be silent so long as you permit me to convey Lady Daphne to Clairdelune and she has no suspicion of her claims to the throne, you need have no fear that she will assert them. "'I can't trust either of you. You are much too dangerous,' said the Queen, and she rang the bell. "'You had better take my warning,' said the Fairy, her wrinkled mouth working with passion. "'Old as I am, I have some powers left that you little suspect. Scarce an hour ago I changed myself into a pool and Lady Daphne into a cypress.' She naturally omitted to add how narrowly they had escaped having to remain so indefinitely. And by aid of the same spell I could transform you to a shape which, which you will discover after I have caused you to assume it, and it is a shape that you will not like. 
Pooh, said the Queen, on whom the reintegration of the undergardener into Merleflor seemed to have left little impression. Either you're trying to frighten me or you're crazy. Whichever it is, you ought to be put under restraint, and I shall see to it that you are. After that, I'll do what I threatened, snarled the court godmother. It may kill me, but I don't care. I'll do it. And she mouthed words of mystic sound and import, though her jaw trembled so violently that she could scarcely pronounce them. Now, she concluded, pointing her crutch at the queen's breast, become, become a... But what the queen was to become never transpired, for before the infuriated fairy could manage to name it, her features suddenly became contorted, the stick fell from her hand, and she sank down in a heap, just as the attendants entered in answer to the royal summons. "'I'm afraid,' said Queen Selina, "'that the court godmother has fainted. I dare say it's nothing serious. Still, one of you had better bring the royal apothecary at once. Be careful to keep it from the court, as I wish to avoid unnecessary alarm.' The others endeavoured to restore the afflicted fairy, but, though still alive, she was in some kind of cataleptic condition which was beyond the ordinary remedies. The court apothecary arrived and applied blisters without result, and finally gave it as his opinion that, while she might survive for some time, she would in all probability never speak again. So Queen Selina ordered her to be removed to her apartments, and the fact that she was indisposed to be suppressed for the present after which she left her cabinet, feeling that Providence had been more than usually judicious. Her next step was to send for the marshal and instruct him to remove Daphne from the pavilion to a chamber in one of the palace towers, where she was to remain a prisoner under his guardianship. "'It's only for a short time, marshal,' she said, "'and of course you will see that Miss Heritage is made thoroughly comfortable.' And then, the ground having been thus cleared, she returned to the throne room, "'Just a moment or two, my dear Merleflor,' she said suavely, "'if Edna can spare you.' And she drew him aside. "'Well,' she began, "'I've been telling the dear old court godmother the difficulty I am in. You see, I would willingly recognize this engagement of yours, whatever I may think about it, if I only could. But really, you know, I can't possibly allow you to take Miss Heritage away until I am satisfied that your dear father approves of her as a daughter-in-law.' As her employer, I feel responsible for the poor girl. And besides, he might think I'd encouraged this match, and I can't afford to put myself in such a false position as that. But, he objected, my godmother is going with us to Clairdelune, and she will explain all. She has altered her plans, said the Queen, who was developing a quite unsuspected talent for diplomacy. To tell you the truth, I fancy she's getting a little nervous about how King Tournesol may take what she's done. She feels, as I am afraid I do, that it is wiser to keep dear Miss Heritage here, under her own care, till you have broken the news to your father and obtained his consent. "'My father is certain to consent,' said the Prince. "'And if he did not—' "'Oh, quite so, quite so. But both your godmother and I consider that we ought to wait till he does consent.' Of course, if you can bring us a letter from him stating that he approves, all will be well. I'm sure you must quite understand that that is really as far as I can go under the circumstances. And if you start at once, you'll be back here again in a very few days, bringing, I hope, a favourable answer. We shall be most pleased to lend you any horse you like in the royal stables. 
She was so plausible that poor Mirliflor, who, like most fairy princes, was not very deeply versed in feminine wiles, was quite taken in. He thought her lacking in distinction for a queen, but well-meaning. And it was so like his godmother to impose one more test on him. "'I will set forth, then,' he said, "'as soon as I've seen my Daphne and assured her of my speedy return.' "'I'm afraid, my dear Mirliflor,' said Queen Selina, "'I'm afraid you can't see her before you go.' "'And why not?' he asked. "'Well, you see, the dear court godmother, mistakenly, I think, has told her what a great person you really are, and Miss Heritage feels that she has not the right to see you again unless and until she can hear that she will be welcomed at your father's court. I said all I could to show her that she need not be so over-scrupulous as that, but she is such an extremely sensitive girl, and feels her social inferiority so acutely, that nothing would persuade her to alter her resolution. You will only be distressing her by attempting it. He pleaded and argued as long as he could, but eventually he was convinced that it was in vain. And so, as he knew that Daphne would be safe under the fairy's protection, he took his leave, and, choosing the best horse in the royal stud, set out on his journey to Clairdelune. By so doing, he was only, little as he suspected it, giving his hostess time to consider how she could best deal with the girl who, she no longer doubted, was the rightful possessor of the throne. But then Miss Heritage was not aware of her birthright, which seemed to suggest more than one way of coping with the situation. After Queen Selina and her royal consort, with the crowned prince and the princess Edna and Ruby, had waved their last adieus to the departing Mirliflor, the marshal approached Clarence. "'Allow me, sire,' he said, "'to restore this jewel, which was picked up close to the spot where your royal highness's steed became so suddenly and unaccountably unmanageable.' Clarence reddened, for there was a covert sneer in the ex-regent's tone which he did not like while he was angrily conscious that it was quite undeserved. "'Oh, thanks, Marshal,' he said, as he took the pendant. "'I say, Mater, no wonder the belly thing slipped down. The clasp's worn out. Whoever you bought it from ought to have put in a proper repair before he sold it. Pity you can't send it back and make him mend it.' "'Do I understand,' inquired the Marshal of the Queen, "'that Your Majesty bought this pendant?' "'Certainly not,' replied the Queen, flushing in her turn. "'You're mistaken, Clarence. It, it has been in the family for years.' "'You're mixing it up with something else, Mater,' he said. "'Don't you remember? You wore it for the first time that evening the Baron came to fetch us. And you told us you'd bought it out of old Uncle Wibberley's legacy. I'm sure I'm right.' "'That was a different ornament altogether,' said his mother. "'But it's not worth discussing.' Accordingly, the subject was dropped for the time, at all events, though the marshal did not forget it. His was not a brilliant intellect, brilliant intellects being rare in Merhenland, but he had the faculty of putting two and two together and inferring that the total was more likely to be about four than any other number. The astrologer royal had predicted that the queen would be discovered in a certain spot in England and would be identified by being the possessor of Prince Chrysopras's jewel, but the marshal was now satisfied that she was the possessor by purchase only. The original owner, if Xuriel had read the stars correctly, was in the same locality. Was it not possible that Lady Daphne might be that owner? If so, it would explain the Queen's motive for placing her under arrest. Marshal Federhelm resolved to play a bold stroke. 
when in the course of his office he had next to visit his prisoner, whom he had made a point of treating with all courtesy, she begged him to tell her what fresh offence she had given that she should have been condemned to solitary imprisonment. "'I know but this,' said the marshal. "'Her Majesty is displeased at finding that a certain jewel she purchased from you is of less value than she had been led to believe.' "'But, Marshal,' protested poor Daphne, naturally imagining that the Queen had been complaining to him of the transaction, "'surely it's worth at least thirty pounds. If it isn't, I'd willingly take it back and return the money. Only I can't, because I used it all to pay my bill. But I always thought that pendant was valuable, and—' as it belonged to my father, I would never have sold it at all if I hadn't been obliged. What do you think I ought to do? You can do nothing, Lady Daphne, he replied, save trust that Her Majesty's anger will pass away. For whatever price she may have paid for such a jewel, it is assuredly of far greater value than she is pleased to assert. I am so glad to hear you say that, said Daphne. It would be hateful to think I cheated Her Majesty, even though I never meant to. That was all that passed between them, but the marshal had learned all that he wanted to know, though he made no immediate use of his knowledge. It was enough for him to feel that he had a card which he might play to his own advantage when the opportunity came. The court godmother was now generally known to be hors de combat, and as for the old baron, he could be left for the present in ignorance of his blunder. Queen Selina, meanwhile, had already formed her plans. She was not a positively wicked woman, and even still thought herself irreproachable. If she had managed to separate Mirliflor and Daphne by some hard fibbing, it was only what her duty as a queen and as a mother demanded of her. She had never liked this misheritage, and firmly believed that Daphne had alienated Mirliflor's affection from Edna to herself. And now, it seemed, she was the lawful queen of the country and Queen Selina had grown too habituated to power and grandeur to give them up to this inexperienced girl. Her first idea had been to carry out her original attention and have Daphne sent home to England without further delay. But this, she began to see, would expose her to considerable criticism at court, and it occurred to her that there might be a simpler and more satisfactory way out of her difficulties. So, full of her latest project, she went in search of Clarence, whom she found lounging with a very moody and disconsolate air in one of the balconies. Clarence was in low spirits just then, and not without reason. He had entirely lost his nerve for horsemanship, as his mounts had become as refractory as ever. He could not help perceiving that the courtiers had lost all respect for him, and received his overtures with hardly veiled impertinence. And besides all this, there was another matter that had been weighing on his mind for some time past— "'Why, Clarence, dear boy,' she began, "'what are you keeping away from everybody like this for?' "'I wasn't keeping away that I know of,' he said. "'There are times when a fellow's glad to get a quiet moment to himself, that's all.' "'Perhaps,' she said, "'I know the real reason why you've been so mopey lately.' "'What do you mean, Mater?' he asked. "'You haven't—' "'My dear Clarence,' Do you think I can't see that you've never got over your fondness for little Miss Heritage? I can't bear to see you looking so unhappy, and I've come to think that I may have been wrong in keeping her out of your way. So, and this is what I came to tell you, if you feel that she is necessary to your happiness, I shall not oppose you any longer, and I will see that your father doesn't. I wish you'd said so before, Mater, he replied. 
the governor's been at me to propose to old golden and bergenland's daughter but i had to tell him i couldn't take it on of course not dear i'm told she's hideous while miss heritage at all events but she's engaged to mirliflor lucky chap he is to get her too i might have once if i'd had the pluck you may get her still dear boy said his fond mother you see she doesn't know who mirliflor is yet she thinks he's a student or something pretending to be a gardener well she's much too clever a little person not to get out of such an engagement as that if she knew she could be the crown princess which was no more than queen selina actually believed trust me clarence she concluded you've only to ask i dare say you're right mater he said only the worst of it is i'm not free to ask her not free what do you mean i didn't like to tell you before he said but well i i've gone and got engaged to someone else engaged who to demanded the queen in her own english if it's anyone in my court it's no one you know mater but she's all right you know at least she's a king's daughter of sorts her father's king of the crystal lake the crystal lake said queen selina you you wretched boy don't tell me you're engaged to to a water nixie well i suppose that's what it amounts to he said i never wanted to be i met her when i was fishing there she came up out of the water and we got talking and that and i told her who i was and after that whenever i got to the lake she was always popping up i thought she was rather a jolly sort of girl if she was a trifle on the damp side and it amused me to talk to her but i never said a word to her that could till her old dad suddenly turned up and insisted on our being regularly engaged and you gave way oh clarence how could you be so weak i told him i'd see him blowed before i said yes and he pulled me in and threatened to hold my head under water till i promised said clarence i didn't see any point in being drowned and so and so sooner than have a row about it i did say yes what else could i say well said the queen no engagement made under such circumstances can be binding and you must break it off at once go and tell him that your father and i refuse to hear of your engagement it'll make him most awful ratty if i do objected clarence what if it does clarence you must get free i'm extremely anxious that you should marry miss heritage before mirliflor returns if he does return for her it's most important for your sister's sake because when he finds himself forsaken he is sure to turn to edna again now do you see i see he replied lugubriously and i don't mind going to the lake and trying to get the old boy to let me off but i bet you he won't don't ask him anything simply inform him that your parents decline to allow such a match and refer him to us perhaps that would be the neatest way out of it he agreed yes i'll just tell him that from a safe distance and he can do what he jolly well pleases but it won't be a pleasant job what it was some miles to the crystal lake but he went on foot without any member of his suite in attendance and in a plain cloak and slouched hat which prevented him from being recognized as he passed through the streets of the capital during his absence his mother was engaged in long and anxious consultation with the king and edna i'm surprised at clarence king sidney had observed 
thought he knew his way about too well to be drawn into an entanglement of this kind he never would have been said his mother if he hadn't had to choose between that and being held under water and you can trust clarence to make it clear that he would not be allowed to keep such a promise even if he wanted to if he marries anyone said the king it ought to be this princess of golden and he'll get money with her i want some rather badly pardon me sidney said the queen but i intend him to marry miss heritage mother exclaimed edna miss heritage what can you be thinking of i know what i'm doing my love the poor boy is devoted to her and always has been and in short i have decided that he shall have his way it will be to your advantage that he should on reflection edna saw this Merleflor might feel mortified for a time, but there was at least a chance of catching him on the rebound. When Clarence returned later, his entrance was hailed with an interrogatory, well, from his family. Well, he replied, I interviewed the old king, told him you can stick my marrying his daughter. He took it very quietly, better than I expected. All he said was that if you would come to the big fountain in the palace gardens, it's supplied from the crystal lake you know at sunset he'd be there and let you know his terms wants to blackmail us does he said the king he won't get a farthing out of me it is like his impudence added the queen still it may be as well to see him and just before the sun's final disappearance the four stood on the margin of a small artificial lake from the centre of which a great column of water shot up to a colossal height against the crimson and orange sky. "'He doesn't seem to have kept his appointment,' said the king. "'Thought better of it, eh?' As he spoke, the tall column sank and resolved itself into a solid, grey-green figure of little above the average stature, a long-bearded elderly personage in a flowing mantle which only partially covered his suit of glittering, iridescent scales." "'There is the old blighter,' whispered Clarence. "'This is my father and mother, sir,' he added aloud. "'And anything you've got to propose must be settled with them.' "'O oh, king and queen of Merchenland,' said the late king, in a voice like the roar of a cataract, "'is it true that ye consider a daughter of mine unworthy to wet your son?' without entering into personalities replied king sidney which are better avoided at all times i may say that an alliance with a family whose nature is so um, amphibious could not be seriously entertained by any civilized monarch it would be too grotesque said queen selina even in a country like this i have set my heart on becoming the father-in-law of a prince of the royal blood said the late king and i will not be denied now 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 protested king sidney what is the good of taking that tone if we were in england i should say this was a matter that could be settled in a few minutes by our respective solicitors as it is you had better tell us how much you'll take to compromise it i don't admit that your daughter has suffered any material damage still if you're reasonable in your ideas of compensation you'll find us disposed to meet you as far as we can you know as far as we can he added hastily as he remembered his shrunken gold sacks my terms are these the late king answered 
unless the betrothal of prince clarence to my daughter forel be proclaimed throughout the city before nightfall the waters of the crystal lake shall overflow and submerge the whole land to the tops of the highest houses it is for ye to choose that would be an outrageous thing to do if you could do it said the queen but you know very well you can't can i not retorted the lake king behold if i have boasted vainly or not and he waved his sceptre which was surmounted by a crystal fish instantly the artificial lake came pouring over its marble border and the royal family were ankle-deep in water it's no good said king sidney as the flood spread and threatened to rise higher still we've got to give in nothing but the safety of our poor subjects would make me consent declared the queen but as it is i must stop this horrid flood and will agree to everything the water flowed back into the basin at a motion of the late king's sceptre it is agreed then he said smiling for the first time that the betrothal is to be proclaimed before nightfall and that the nuptials shall take place within eight days oh very well said queen selina pettishly i can't think your daughter will ever settle down or be really happy with us but that is her affair and and i will try my best to be a mother to her it is enough said the king of the crystal lake i have your word should you retract now what follows will be upon your own heads and with these parting words he merged into a column of water which towered up as before its spray falling like a fine bronze dust against the now purple sky i don't much think i shall ever get on with him was all clarence could find to say as they walked back with wet feet but forel well she really isn't at all bad looking in her way has she got the same coloured hair as her father inquired edna it's green he confessed but a much prettier shade of green eau de nil i should call it and i suppose all the furniture will have to be covered in oilskin went on edna one of the delights of having a nixie for a sister-in-law you needn't talk he said angrily you came jolly near giving me a belly ogre for a brother-in-law what there's just this difference clarence replied his sister i was able to break it off which you are not well if i'm not it's not my fault so you needn't nag he said savagely for the thought that all hope of daphne was now irretrievably lost had just begun to gall him we shall all have to change our shoes when we get in was her answer and it's lucky if we escape a bad cold in the head but i dare say she added sweetly that when dear forel is one of us we shall soon grow inured to damp what i am thinking of said the king sombrely is how the court and the populace will take this business it is to be hoped that the late king is a uh, liked in this part who could help loving him jeered edna no doubt the wedding will excite the greatest enthusiasm especially if the bride goes through the ceremony in a tank oh shut up can't you cried the worried clarence don't make it out more rotten than it is queen selina was too occupied with her own reflections to interfere her plan for securing the succession to the throne by a union between clarence and daphne was clearly no longer practicable she had been anxious to treat the girl with consideration and even indulgence but events had made this impossible 
it was absolutely necessary now to get Miss Heritage safely out of the way as soon as it could be managed. "'I must speak to the marshal about it,' she was thinking, "'and have her sent back to England in that stork car. The poor dear court godmother is much too ill to be consulted just now. I have just that much to be truly thankful for.'" End of chapter 18